has spoken to every single one of us. In fact, I'm standing here thinking, what am I doing here this morning? Because God has spoken so loudly to us today. I hope that every single one of us sitting here today can go home today having already heard from God. So what I'm going to share is just the icing on the cake of what God's already spoken. When Joseph started bringing the word today, I, it thrilled my heart because Joseph brought exactly what God had been speaking to me about. And Dave will testify to this because I've shared with Dave what I wanted to share with the church today. It's about, we've been looking at the, at the whole area of making Jesus famous because that's who we are. We are the people of King's Church who make Jesus famous. And so I was going to look at making him famous in our love for him. And part of what God has been speaking to me about is about our first love for him. And so when Joseph brought that word, it was just in line with what God had been saying to me. But I want to, right at the beginning, I want to ask us a question, and I want you to keep that question in the back of your mind throughout everything that I'm going to say in this very brief period that I have, because I do believe that it's important for us to break bread once I've finished. So I will try not to take too much time so that we can give time to breaking bread and, and, and do that properly. The question is, if there were no consequences for sin, how would you live your life? Just think, if it doesn't matter what you do, if you can do whatever you want, how would you live your life? So how many people have got saved in the last 12 months? Please put up your hand if you've given your life to the Lord in the last 12 months. Yay. Yeah, any more people? Yes. How many people have given their lives to the Lord in the past 10 years? 20? 30? Right, okay. So, when you gave your life to the Lord, can you remember what that felt like? Can you remember what it felt like when you gave your life to the Lord, Zita? It was totally fresh and new. And I'm sure you remember it today as you did on that day. Right, okay. When I gave my life to the Lord, I could not stop talking about him. I just, I couldn't stop talking about him. My life was completely different and it didn't matter whether people wanted to hear or not, they heard. I just couldn't stop talking about him because something had happened in my heart and I wanted to share it with everyone. I didn't feel like I had to share it with people. I just couldn't help myself. It was just, it's just, we've talked about this before. If you're in love with somebody, people will know because you can't, unless it's not love, you can't keep it hidden. It oozes out of every pore from within you. And so people will know. And that feeling that you get when you give your life to the Lord the Bible describes it. I believe that there are so many descriptions of it, but one of the ones that I like best is in Romans 8:16, And it says that the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. I can't imagine anything better than being a child of the Most High God. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. There's something happening inside of you at that time that... That's, 
It's new, it's fresh, you feel clean all over, you feel completely like a new person. When I was describing what I wanted to speak about today to a young person, and I was talking about your first love, they were saying, it's all right if you speak to people in the morning service about that, but some other people may not understand that because not everybody gets that rush and that freshness and that newness that you're talking about. Can I please say that I do believe that everybody should experience that when they give their lives to the Lord? If you didn't experience that, maybe you need to re-give your life to the Lord. Because he does a new, jo- a new work in our lives. The Bible says that you're a new creation. Something should happen inside of you that makes you excited, that makes you want to talk to other people about it. And if that didn't happen, it's not too late. It can come back. So as God has been saying to us today, something has changed. If we're all going to be honest with ourselves, we'll see that the way that we feel about God now may not be the way we felt about him when we first gave our lives to him. And I kept thinking about this and kept thinking, what happened to me? Why why did my love grow cold? Why did my love for the Lord grow cold at some points in my life? And this, this may apply to you, it may not, but I, I want to say that some of the things that I've come up with is that sometimes we become disappointed in him because of unanswered prayers. Has anybody asked God to do something and he didn't answer your prayer? Have you found yourself in that position? Do you find that you think, oh, right, so that's how it's going to be, huh? <laughs> Maybe not in those words, but we, we may not like to admit it, but disappointment in God begins when he doesn't answer our prayers and we find ourselves slowly not trusting him the way that we did right at the beginning anymore. We find that, mm, especially if it was a really big prayer, like you're believing God for this job or you're begin, believing God to heal this person or you're believing God to supply this need and he didn't do that. You become wary of him then. Your trust for him diminishes. And the next time you're about to pray that kind of big prayer, you begin to think, hmm, he didn't answer the last time. Why would he answer now? And something begins to change in the way you feel about God. One other thing that I've noticed is just, sometimes it's not anything obvious like that. It's just a gradual drifting away from him because if you're anything like me, nothing holds my attention for a long time. I, I quite quickly become disinterested in things and, and, and I, I become distracted very easily. If you're anything like me, maybe sometimes that's what's happened to you. The love that we had for God and that overwhelming sense of his presence and the affection and all the consequences of the initial falling in love with him begins to grow dull as other things begin to capture our attention. It no longer becomes the most important thing in our lives because other things crowd that out of our lives. Those other things may be completely legitimate, but they begin to erode that space that was for you and God and the developing relationship that you had with him at the beginning. And I think perhaps the, one, the third thing that I concluded, which to me might be the worst one, it may be different for you, but 
we, be, we, be, we develop this familiarity with God that leads to contempt after some time. It may not be happening to you, but having examined my life, sometimes I, I become so familiar with him that um, I, 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 I abandon what I should have been doing. I, I know that when I started speaking about this, some people would have been thinking I would read that passage in Revelations that talks about going away from your first love. And because I don't want to disappoint anybody who was expecting me to read that, I'm going to read that. So can we read from Revelation chapter 2? It's the, it's the message to the, the church in Ephesus. It starts from verse 1, and I'm just going to read to verse 7. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this, I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they are not. And you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and you have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. But I have this against you. You have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds that you did at first. Or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Yet this you do have, and you hate, you, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, who, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Can you see what God was doing there? I call that the bad news sandwich, where God wants to tell you some bad news. But he tells you all the good things first. And then he brings the bad news in. And then he tells you all the good things that you're doing at the end. I like to deliver bad news like that as well. Because if you want to tell somebody something bad, don't just launch in straight. I, I, could, I, could, I tend to be like that, but I'm learning that. When you want to deliver bad news, tell them all the good things. Build them up. Let them feel good. And then say the bad thing. Don't make a big deal out of the bad thing. Don't go on and on and on and on about the bad thing. Talk about it. Let them realize how important it is. And then... Bottom that up with the good things that they're doing. So that's what God was doing to the church at Ephesus, Ephesus here. I used to be afraid of that passage. I used to look at it and think, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, that's really bad. But I, I, looking back at this, I don't really think that that's as bad as it sounds. To me, that looks like when God says to you, now I place before you life and death. Choose life. So... He's giving you an option, but he's telling you what you need to do. So for the person that when God says, I've placed before you life and death, and you still don't choose life, why wouldn't you choose life when the author of life says choose life? So that's what God is talking about in terms of our first love. These people are doing all these things. They're, I'm looking at the church in Ephesus, and I'm like, wow, wow. God knows about their toil and their perseverance and they cannot tolerate evil men. I thought, kudos to the church in Ephesus. And then God comes and says that which is not happy about. So when, when my children were growing up, 
they would usually do the right thing. And I always wondered why they did the right thing. I assumed that was because I was at home having, oh, both of us, Tunde and I would have said to them, we trust you. We know that because you're children of God, when you go out there, you will do the right thing. And so I always assumed that they did the right thing because we trusted them to do the right thing. We taught them the difference between good and bad, and we we believe that when the time came to choose, they would choose to do the right thing because we trusted them to do the right thing. So having had this thought in my heart, when I, was, when I was preparing to preach this message, I had a conversation with Tony and said, why did you do the right thing? Was it because of what I thought? And he was like, no. <laughs> the reason we did the right thing was because we were afraid you would punish us. <laughs> I, and I was like, all oh, right. But he then said, but in developing our relationship with God then, initially they did the right thing because they were afraid of punishment. But as they grew in their own relationship with God, they did the right thing because they loved God and they wanted to please him. And they knew that doing the right thing pleased him. So it was no more about the punishment. It was for the fact that they loved God and wanted to do that which pleased him. I would rather have that than they did the right thing because I trusted them. They wanted the one who mattered the most to be pleased with them, and that was why they did the right thing. I find that we, we all, part of what is responsible for the way that we relate to God then, having given our lives to him, having been in love with him, is that we tend to relate to God in three different ways that I've found. Some of us relate to God as children of God. Yes? All, can I just say, all of this is legitimate. I'm not knocking any of these things that I'm about to say. We relate to God as children of God, which is a good thing. We are children of God. The Bible describes us as children of God. But some of us carry on being children of God. We don't want to grow out of that stage of infancy. I'm using children in this sense as and in an infantile sense that you're a child of God. And so when you're a child of God and God is treating you like a child, there are some things that God will not bring across your way because he knows that you're a child. You can't deal with it. Like you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't allow a child to cross a road by themselves, would you? Because you know that they're a child. They need an adult to take them across the road. And sometimes you just get stuck in that in that way that we relate to God where, oh, I'm trying to find a way of saying this without making it look like it's wrong to be like that because there are times in our lives when we always need to go back to that stage so that if that's what we're needing at that time, then we need to go back to that stage where God will look after us and pamper us and treat us like the child that we need to be at that time. But I think that we, should, we shouldn't get stuck in that stage where it's all about us. It's all about what God can do for me. He needs to change my nappies. He needs to make sure that I'm well fed. He needs to burp me so that nothing else happened to me. And then our relationship will continue normally. And, and I don't have a choice than to love him because he's meeting every single one of my needs. And then some of us relate to God as servants of God. 
Again, remember when I said there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes we again get stuck in that servant mode where where we're doing everything that we need to be doing for him, but but we're doing it out out of a sense of duty because we don't want to let him down. We're his servants. He needs laborers in the vineyard. I'm there. He needs this. I'm there. We're looking to... We're looking to his hand to see what he wants so that we can do it. There's a, that, that comes with a level of maturity. I completely agree with that. But God wants us to, he said, he said to the disciples, I have no longer, I've no, I'm no longer calling you my servants. I am calling you my friends. God wants us to be his friends. Again, please hear me. It's good to be a child of God. It's good to be a servant of God. But God wants to call us into a place of friendship so that even when we're being a child of God, we're his friend. When we're being a servant of God, we're his friend and he relates to us as a friend. And I think that's what makes the difference in the way that we relate to him. When Joseph was bringing that word, I was like, oh, wow, God's really serious about this. You'll notice that this morning, God has been doing some work in bringing us back to the basics, the things that matter to him, the things that are important to him. And I'm just thinking, if, I'm not saying you have, but if you've walked away from the way that you first loved him, the the passage that we read in Revelation said, You need to go back to that place. So how do we go back? Sometimes we think we've gone so far away that it's difficult to go back. With God, he never goes anywhere. He's always the same. He never moves. If we think that our relationship with God has changed, that's because we've moved. So he's there waiting, waiting for us to come back into that place of our first love. And for me, I remember it was Richard that preached this message a long time ago. It must be about four, five years ago, and he was talking to us about worship. And I find that for me, when I think I'm drifting away, worship is the one thing that brings me back into that place when I first fell in love with him. And the one thing that reaches it, because I'm sure that when I said that, you're all thinking, oh yeah, we know that worship brings you back into relationship with God. But what he said that has stuck with me, and I've practiced and I've taught other people to do so, is to Worship God not from songs that other people have written. Those are good. They're fantastic like we've done this morning. But when you sing your own song to the Lord, when you make your own song to him, you're pouring out your heart, not Matt Redman's heart or the people at Bethel's heart to God. I'm not knocking them. Please understand what I'm saying. You're talking to him out of the abundance of your heart, of how you feel about him. And so I I started practicing the habit of, Worshipping God, not, not in tongues, because that's also good, but in my own words, how I feel about him, how I, how, and that always brings me back to that place where I first fell in love with him, where when I first fell in love with Christ, I, I, I don't know if it's because for me, I gave my life to Christ at a, at a point in my life where I needed a constant force in my life, something that will never change or move, and so when I fell in love with him, I was madly in love with him. And like I've told you, there have been times when that's not always been consistent. But the one thing that always brings me back into that place, you know that feeling when it's almost as if you're wearing rose-tinted glasses and all the roses are red and the sky is bluer than normal. And even if it's on a cold November morning, all you can see is the sunshine and everything seems right. 
Worship brings you back to that place. When you, if you don't believe me, please go home today and try it. Just make up those words to God. Sing them to him. If God, you don't have to have a good voice to sing to God because he created you with the voice that you have and he loves your voice so much. There's something about saying words to him, but something else happens when you sing those words to him. Practice it and, and, see, and see how it lifts your spirit and brings you back into that place where it's all about him. Nothing else that's going on matters. Nothing else that's happened yesterday or happened the minute before you decided to enter into that place just with you and him alone, the door shut behind you, and just focus on him and feel that love just come back in, in, into your life. And I've, I've linked that with praying because... Talk to him about everything. As like this morning, I went for a two-hour walk, and as I was walking, I was I was talking to God about work, and then I said, "Oh, I don't want to be talking to you about work. I'm going to be preaching to people this morning about uh, going back to my first love and my relationship with you. Let's talk about that. Let me just be worshiping you and gazing in your eyes and falling back in love with you." And God said, "No, I want you to talk to me about your work. Let's talk about your work." So. Hand in hand with God as I was walking along on, on the road where I was walking, I was talking to God about my work. I was talking to him about my day, the day that I had yesterday, the days ahead, the things that I needed wisdom for. It's just like when you go out with your girlfriend or boyfriend or husband or wife, you talk about the mundane, everyday things of life, the things that are not of eternal consequences. Do you know that God wants to hear those things as well? He wants you to talk to him about everything. When you've fallen out with somebody, which we, none of us here, I'm sure, do, but, <laughs> but we can talk to God about it. He's interested, and those are the kind of things that draw us closer to him. And he knows that I've gone to God and said, I've done it again. I've put my foot in my mouth again. Please help me. Please help me get myself out of this situation. And it's all about relationship, isn't it? It's all about knowing that he doesn't judge you or condemn you when you come to him and you talk to him about your failings and you talk to him about your successes and you, it's just about relationship. He loves it when we come and talk to him. And of course, reading his word helps you to, to know him better. If you want to know about somebody, you find out about them. And I think it's good for us to read the Word of God. I know that there are places in the Bible where, I, I, when I'm reading, I sometimes think, really, I'm supposed to find God on every page of this Bible? I really can't find God when I'm reading numbers where it's all about all sorts of those numbers. <laughs> but those things will lead... I, 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 people say that every page of the Bible has a revelation of Jesus in it. If I can't find it, then I should ask God, please show me yourself in numbers. And he wants to do that. He doesn't want to hide himself for us. He wants to do that. I'm conscious that the time is going, but I just have a couple more things. When we, when we, in, in order to go back to our first love for God, we serve him and we serve his church. I know I've said before that sometimes we have this servant spirit that all we're thinking of is how to serve him, how to serve him. That's good. That's good. I wasn't saying it as a, as in, a, in a condemning manner when I said that before, but do you know that when you do something for God, it makes your heart glad? 
It makes the heart of God glad. And I'm just going to take this opportunity to do a little plug here. We're desperate for people to help in children's, children's ministry. We're desperate for people to lead different areas of the children's ministry. You, do you, when, you, when you're serving God and serving his church, there's something that happens in your heart that you feel that you're doing something for the, to expand the kingdom of the one that you love the most. And the other one that may, some people may think this is controversial, but I really believe that this is right. In coming to our first love for God, we give. I'm talking about giving of your time. I am talking about giving of money. I know we don't like to talk about giving of money in the church. But the thing that is important to you is the thing that you spend your money on the most. And if God is important to you, you spend your money on expanding his kingdom. And that, I'm sure that when you first gave your life to the Lord, it didn't matter to you. When somebody had a need, you were the first person there offering them your money, offering them the shirt off your back because you knew that this was about your father's business. We need to go back to those days when there was nothing that we couldn't give for the sake of the kingdom. And all of this means that because we are where we are in our relationship with God, we make him famous out there, make his name known to people. I, I think I've said this before. At the beginning of this year, I heard a message that made me say to God, God, I want the opportunity to preach the gospel to somebody at least once every month. And the very first month, we went out, on, we went out from King's Church on street evangelism. I think I paired with Elvis. I can't remember. I think it was Elvis and I that paired together. And we walked all up and down Market Street. Nobody wanted to speak to us. It was a cold Saturday morning in January, and nothing happened. And as I was going back, my mind was weary, and I just said, God, please Help us. I felt like the disciples when they said, show us where to cast our net. We've been doing this all night. We've caught nothing. Show us where to cast our net. And God showed us as we were coming back. God showed us this gentleman and we were able to preach the gospel to him. Do you know that because I made that determination in my heart, sometimes I have forgotten because I wasn't actively looking out to speak to somebody at least once a month. Sometimes it's the end of the month. And God will bring somebody to me that I would speak the gospel to. God even opened the door for me to speak to the, my, my, the topmost person in my office, my regional director. She began to ask me about myself. And I, I was like, wow, how did that happen? I was able to preach the gospel to her. I was working with a lady yesterday and... She just kept coming to where I was I, because there wasn't anything to do. So I was in, a, in somewhere doing other work. And she just kept coming and she just kept coming. And she just, ah. All of a sudden, I had a light bulb moment. Oh, I'm supposed to preach the gospel to them. And, but when, when we're madly, passionately, hopelessly in love with God, where, how we're supposed to be, then that comes naturally. That comes naturally. It's not forced. It's not. We influence the places where we work. We influence our streets, our homes. We influence Manchester for the kingdom of our God because we have gone back to the place where we first fell in, fell in love with him. I, I wanted us to break bread at the end of this just because Jesus said when he was talking about us breaking bread, he said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. 
And so I want us to break bread together and just remember the things that God did for us. Remember that time when you first gave your life to him. Remember all the things that he's done, dying on the cross, sacrificing everything so that you can have the life that you have today. And then I just lastly want to remind you of the question that I asked at the beginning. If, he, if there were no consequences for sin, how would you live your life?